Hey, it's Amelia, aka Big Tit. And I'm Natasha, aka Little Tit. And together, we're, we're the, the Graveyard, Graveyard Girls. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is a normal a normal episode. What we say normal is our true crime and mysteries. Yeah, oh, there's nothing normal about it. No. When it's our Patreon, we're like, it's Patreon. It helps us... Uh, Tell the difference. Yes. Because we get lost <laughs> and we don't know what we're saying most of the time. And today's brilliant. We're both... Uh, uh, I've lost the plot. Are we in like a manic state? Yeah. I, heading yeah. that way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said you will introduce De- this yeah, episode yeah. that I took Dead over. and depressing. Right. Um... This episode, hopefully, I hope we're going to make it all the way through. Basically, um, I became very conscious about the fact that we kept saying, oh, we'll find that out, we'll do a revisited on this. And then a year and a bit down the line, we haven't done any revisited bits. So um, we're trying to do a bit of a... Revisited. Yeah. There's also some of our more actual bits where we literally went, we'll revisit this episode, mm-hmm. we've done that. And then there's other ones where I was like, oh, I'll find out this piece of information and put it in another episode. And then I didn't find out the information and put it in another episode. So I'm including that in this. Um, the only one we're not including in this revisited that we said we were going to revisit is the missing 411 because that's a really big fucking thing to do. It's a faff. Yeah. So we'll we be are going to do a revisited for the missing 411. But not yet, because it's going to take us quite a bit of research. I've got a fucking headache. It I, needs its own episode. I Yeah, I don't know what that... I I do have a headache as well. Yeah. Like, uh, pressure's in the, my temples. So, yeah, so basically this episode is going to be a mix of things. So, um, if you haven't listened to any of these episodes, like, I'll kind of say what episode it's coming from before we do it. And then if you haven't listened to that episode yet, you can skip forward a little bit. Um, or pause it, go and listen to that episode, and then come back to it i don't know yes. or if you've listened to all the episodes you might know what we're on about so more so than us sorry <laughs> i got very distracted your notebook matches your shirt oh it does it does oh i've blended amelia's got this very nice green shirt on and i've got a red check dress on we went a bit Christmassy. yeah very unintentional yeah and i'm not not that i don't dislike christmas that's not fair i'm not a mass i don't go mental at christmas I'm more of a Halloween-y person. I prefer Easter and Halloween. I, Christmas is like, eh. I, I do obviously like Halloween. I like Christmas. I like the coziness of the autumn-winter months. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I prefer Halloween. And I like to eat a lot, so that's just perfect. I eat a lot anyway. Um, that's I eat exclusive extra to Christmas. times, because obviously you have I eat to more shit up. at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I just don't like the stress of Christmas to build up before, and it's no. always stressful at work. So, like, by the time you then get to Christmas Day, yeah, I'm, like, uh, knackered. And I don't want to... I don't enjoy it. Okay. Okay, I, so a bit distracted. Yes. Um, We're trying to be very good today. Do, do you, How are we doing this? I have two that I've covered, and they are quite lengthy. I don't know if you want me to go do a long one. You do some, Short and then ones. I do a finish on my long one. Okay, because my last one's a bit of a long one as well. Okay. Okay. Am uh, I going first? Yeah, I literally get, just you... forgot what I said. <laughs> yeah, well, I half introduced it. I've waffled, okay. so I'll let you talk for a bit now because people might die otherwise. Okay, so the two that I'm going to cover are ones that I've covered in episodes beforehand, yep. and they've either been solved or in the process of being solved in this past year. Okay. So this is why we we kind of did mention one 
in an episode and I cannot remember what that episode was. Yeah. It was a few I weeks think after. We made it was... an Instagram post yes. as well, but we didn't go into any depth because it had just been released at the time. And then we forgot about it because we're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that there's more that we'd say we'd revisit, but these, as these are the most prominent ones in the news at the minute, I thought I'd go with these. Okay. So I'll begin with the Somerton Man, and that is from our episode 18 under the title of Jeffrey Bobbert Hat. Yes. Because we didn't know the man's name. Yeah, so we made it up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give a brief summary of that case. So a man's body was discovered on the beach in Adelaide on December the 1st, 1948. It was very mysterious of how he died and if he was placed there or if he went him there himself to die, okay. commit suicide. Yeah. In one of his trousers pockets, there was a torn bit of paper that was identified as being a torn, sorry, that was torn from the book, The Rubiat. And on that bit of paper was the word Taman Shud, which means it is over or the end. Mm-hmm. There's uncertainty how the book was located or found, but one was connected to the torn bit of paper. And that book has wording or codes that haven't been able to be deciphered. At a cloakroom in Adelaide train station, a a suitcase was connected to the dead man found on the beach. In that suitcase, there was items such as a thread that wasn't found in Australia and tags with the name Keen on them, but this man wasn't the one that was dead. Okay. So going back to the book, there was a phone number inside the book connected to a Jessica Thompson. She reportedly had no idea who the man was or why her number was in his book. The man's body was found very close to her house, so that was very suspicious. Yes. Even her daughter or grandchild was like, yeah, I think my mum kind of knew who he was, but yeah. that doesn't Isn't get resolved. Isn't she the one that ends up then being married to the scientist that linked to the case? No. Did I make that up? There is that, okay. but that is not that person. Okay. No, in March 2009, a University of Adelaide team led by Professor Derek Abbott began an attempt to solve the case through cracking the code and prospering. Uh, proposing to exhume the body to test for DNA. Mm -hmm. He ended up tracking down the grandchild of Jessica. Yes, sorry, you are right. Okay. Who had been adopted. Sorry, she was adopted and her name is Rachel. They fell in love and got married. They believed the Somerton man was connected to Rachel and even hung the man's portrait in their home. Okay. We touch on that in the... Episode. yeah. Yeah, I forgot that she was related to Jessica. I thought she was related to someone else to the case but yeah you were right on july uh, 26th of last year 2022 abbott announced that he and genealogist colleen fitzpatrick had determined that the man was carl charles webb who was an electrical engineer and an instrument maker mm-hmm. abbott claimed his dna identified from strands of hair found in the plaster cast death mask made by south australian police in the late 1940s through investigative genetic genealogy, matches were found for descendants of two distant cousins of Webb, both on the paternal and on the maternal side. Okay. So who was Carl Charles Webb? Well, he was born on 16th of November 1905 in Footscray, a su- suburb of Melbourne, and he's the youngest child of Richard and Eliza. In 1941, he married Dorothy Doff Robertson, uh, who is a pharmacist and a shropodist. Okay. I was just like, that word seems weird. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I believe their marriage wasn't a good one. Okay. Dorothy describes Carl as a solitary, having a few friends, living a quiet life and being in bed by 7 p.m. each night. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) he's also very moody and violent and also threatening at times. He was fond of poetry and wrote several poems of his own. And to quote Dorothy, she says most of them on the subject of death, which he claims to be his greatest desire, Mm. which makes sense as the Rubiat is a book that focuses on death. So this correlation to the book. The coding in the book may be some codes he used for betting on horses as he was an avid gambler on horse racing. So that kind of makes sense. And I was like, okay. Carl's oldest sister, Frida Grace, was married to Thomas Gerald Keane. They had a son named Ah. John who died in World War II in 1943. So Frida could have passed some of her son's belongings to her brother Carl, which would explain the tags with Keane found in the suitcases. And some of the items that were not found in Australia as John was stationed overseas during the time of the war. And then once he died, everything got shipped back. So that is who the Somerton man was. So what was he doing there? He was... he. Once his uh, marriage with Dorothy kind of broke down, she kind of like left where they were in Melbourne and she believes he was kind of like either looking for her or just drifting. Right, okay. And it's believed he did commit suicide. So that's why then he wouldn't have really been reported missing by them because they were estranged. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So yes, he was obviously fascinated with death or it appeared he was fascinated with death. He had committed attempted suicide a few times oh. so yes okay he goes by charles but he was born carl oh it's a shame the family didn't notice it, especially with the whole suitcase mm. thing you would have thought one of them would have jogged to memory and gone oh no my son used to have that name especially, then i gave it to my brother yeah so it, well, it didn't say john Keane; it just said Keane, and there was like they wasn't sure how Keane was spelt because there was a few yeah. Like it was spelt one way and there was another one where it was spelt uh, a different way, yeah. which is strange. But you would have still thought, yeah. like, they would have thought, oh, well, I've not seen my brother for a long time. Like, especially, yeah. you know, the siblings. Not necessarily the wife, because yeah. obviously estranged. Yeah. But you would have hoped the siblings would have yeah. noticed. Unless they either... I don't... Obviously, it became international. I don't know when... Well, then they were looking internationally, so I don't know... Yeah. It's almost They're, like it's a stroke in... look yeah. that they found. Yeah. It's good that they've, like, managed to solve it. Yeah. Like, good on hit this man, um, But Abbott. it does make sense. It's like, you know, it's not like... There is obviously still unanswered questions, but a lot of it now... Yeah, it kind sense. of all makes sense. Like, as soon as I said keen, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense. Oh, there we go. I still wonder if my thingy about the thing where I was saying... Because we were talking about labels, weren't we? Yeah, where it cuts and, it out, yeah. Yeah, and I was wondering if he's autistic. Maybe. I still kind I do of have like that feeling that, a little yeah. bit. I do wonder. If, yeah. Well, if he, at the time, people weren't really being diagnosed with that sort of thing. Well, yeah, because he has to have that routine of going yeah, to bed. And that's if what he I'm doesn't, saying. And yeah. the certain things I said, I was like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I'm not saying all autistic people are like that, because it's like a spectrum, isn't it? So. Yeah, and he gets a little agitated or obviously violent in this case, yeah. where he, if, he, if he doesn't have a certain thing, he'd like lash out at his yeah. wife. And that's why their marriage essentially broke down, because... He couldn't keep his routine. Or there yeah. might have been a change that he can't yeah. cope with. yeah. Yes, I'm a little too familiar to that one. <laughs> Do you go to bed at seven? 
I mean, I, I do like to go upstairs for a second. I'm not... Uh, so this is the thing as a teenager. Mum used to go, oh, Amelia used to go to bed really early. And I was like, no, I just like to shut myself in my room for a certain time. Yeah. I needed so long to decompartmentalise before it was bedtime. Mm. But I had to do certain things in a certain order otherwise I couldn't go to sleep. I do like to, like, go upstairs at a certain time. But, yeah, like, just to yeah I have do to my have, own thing. Yeah, I have to have so many hours of doing something else before yeah. it can be proper bedtime. Yeah. It's like I like to lay like, in my bed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wind down time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe read, maybe be on my phone. I more tend to listen to music. Yeah, and then that sort of dictates my mood, like depending on like what, how my day's gone. Heavy metal. Like, shout, yeah, shouty, shouty music, <laughs> or something else. Like which you probably shouldn't listen to just before you go to bed because you know like mm. it's really hyped up. Yeah, that's probably on the nights where I don't have a very good night's sleep. And then <laughs> I tend to listen to podcasts, and it's usually like scary podcasts, and I'm like, oh, this is probably you yourself out. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think I I might be coming to the, like, I've desensitized myself where I'm like, oh, it's not so scary. But yeah. then I'm like, what if there's someone out the window? I'm like, oh, no. I don't really get scared by stuff like that anymore. I, I went for a phase. I was like, everything used to freak the shit out of me. Mm. And now, like, things like that, I'm not bothered. Like, there could be a murderer in the room. I'm like, nah. Yeah, it's time. Right, Would you like a drink? It's time. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have? Okay. So... For my first one, I'm going to go back to episode nine, which was A Woman's Resolve. And that is the episode about Boudicca, if I remember correctly. And basically, we got a little bit silly by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we got distracted and basically we were talking about scribers for war. And how oh, did they yes. scribe for the yes, war? Yes, and we yes. were saying like it's just a man in a tree or like yeah. does he then get an arrow in his eye or there's a man with an abacus and they're dying too quickly and they can't keep count. Like yeah. how did they actually do it? Um, so I wanted to try and find out the answer to that question um, as to how they record like recorded wars and battles in that time. Uh, unsurprisingly, it was very difficult to get to that answer. Yeah. <laughs> so we were correct in what we... <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't think we were massively far off. I think, yeah. I managed to find out some more information, but this would have been a little bit after the whole Boudicca thing. So we're going early medieval. So she was sort of... Obviously, she's the end of Roman, isn't she? Going into... Yes. uh, Like, the and then the Vikings and Saxon things. So it's the transitioning period. Mm -hmm. Um, And I must admit, I did have to consult my sister on this a little bit because I kept trying to type in like how did they record wars and stuff and they were just giving me my, more modern military operations and I thought that's not the answer I want um so there's quite a bit to it but also they don't actually know conclusively so I've sort of answered it I'm about to answer it and not answer it all at the same time okay. the easiest solution to count the dead after it's over a census so I'm going to explain it okay okay so there's a few bits to it so it obviously would have been officially recorded after the battle mm-hmm. or the war, um, but lots of information would have been based off original battle strategies that mm-hmm. were thought up before the battle took place. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean that's what ended up happening. Yeah. A large number of those who took part in the battles were men from middle social classes who would have actually taken their servants along with them to help with things like cooking and cleaning yeah. and putting them in their armour, which yeah. we forget about. Yeah, because you can't get in your own armour. It's mm-hmm. like rugby shirts. And also, when you go to the wars, the settlements are slightly back from the actual battle. Oh, yeah. So they live there for however yeah, many weeks and own... months. Yeah, yeah, so they bring servants along with them, yeah, basically. It's their own village, yeah. Yeah. So 
when obviously the knights and other noblemen then went off to do the fighting, some of the servants, not all of them, some of them would have gone along and got a bit closer, but most of them would have stayed at the settlement, which is near, but not in the heat of the battle. They would then obviously get accounts from whoever was lucky enough to return. They then took that information back home after the battle, and that would have helped um, account... They would have then took that information home with them after the battle. Then a census would have been done, which would have helped to account for the loss of soldiers and the cost of the battle. Mm. So they're adding like sort of personal accounts in with everything that comes back because they mm. have to count up how much money it's cost them and things like that. So everything, basically, I think they're just looking at what they're bringing back and counting it all up. Like, oh, two, or oh, only bringing two spears back and all that crap. So this information was obviously then written up or passed on to monks who would have written about the battles. Um, you also have to remember that in most of these cases, the battles would have taken place during highly religious times. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of the accounts, um, the monks would have embellished the information a little bit to make the noblemen seem more saint-like. Yep. So you have to take what happened with a pinch of salt. And it's always like the victor would tell... A grand story, yeah. yeah. And the servant's not going to disagree with it because, you know, like he might lose his job mm-hmm. or his head. Mm-hmm. so um not many people would have been able to obviously read and write at the time so a lot of the battles will have been recorded many years after they actually happened and would have been passed down through word of mouth so yeah. basically yeah early accounts of war not that accurate there'd be a story yeah story basically like... the story mixed in with some facts from the census yeah is effectively the answer yeah <clears throat> sorry um do you want me to do my next one or you do can, you want yeah. me okay so my next one is taken from episode 34, which is the Pisenhall mystery, if you remember that one. Kind of. Um, there's a lady called Rose, and yes. she's found in her kitchen by her dad. She works for a family. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all a bit suspicious. She's a little bit burnt, and they couldn't decide. And yeah. there's a man accused. He has is put through two trials, but ultimately not convicted, but people still think he's the guilty man. Um, obviously... We came up with possible theories as to who could have murdered Rose. And Natasha pointed out a suspect that I hadn't given too much consideration to. Did I? Yeah, Ooh. you picked out a suspect. And I was like, ooh, I hadn't <laughs> considered him. And that was a man by the name of Harry Burgess. Now, I hadn't originally looked for much information on him at the time when writing it because I hadn't considered him being any more significant other than him being Rose's neighbour who was a witness mm. to the thing. So he was the man, that uh, one of the neighbours that was talking and said, oh, yes, I saw a candle mm. in her window. And also I spoke to the other man who was one of the people accused. Um, but then as we later transpired, there were some letters that were brought into yeah. court, but were With ultimately thrown out. But yes, signed by B. And you went, oh, it could be Harry Burgess. And I was like, oh, I didn't consider that. So obviously then in the episode, I was like, well, I'm going to have to find out now. Um, not going to lie. I struggled to find out more information on him. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't think, really anything. Yeah, I think there. If there was more information, you would have found it when you were originally yeah. doing the research. Well, this was it. So I can't either rule him out, but I also can't prove your theory. So I did manage to find a bit of information. So I did find out that he was a bricklayer, mm. um, but I didn't manage to get an age. Yeah, so I didn't manage to find an age. So I couldn't find a birth and a death certificate, which would then allow yeah. me to have more information as to whether he was married and all these other things. So I was thinking, could it be her lover? But then I'm thinking, and it could be like 70 like, years yeah, old, in which I'm case thinking, yeah. it's highly unlikely you to be know. her lover. You don't know. Uh, well, yeah, there is that. However, 
So I did find other clippings and writings, but I couldn't ascertain where their original source was from. It was just kind of mixed in with other newspaper articles. So I don't know where they sourced it from. Okay. Basically is what I'm going to say. So, okay. So basically Burgess was obviously brought in as a witness for the trial. And I think there wasn't much attention paid to his statement, which is probably why there's not much recorded about him. As And the reason they wouldn't have paid much attention to his original account is some of the details within his account did not quite match up with what That's actually what happened. And I thought instantly thought, oh, this makes him suspicious. Mm. So, but what it was is his comments were more hearsay comments. Okay. 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 Which would be a very good, um, like, distraction and be like... It mm. would be a very good distraction, but the impression given in these other newspaper clippings that I managed to find was people were suggesting he just wanted to be involved in the trial and he was looking for okay. five minutes of the fame. Yeah. So he was giving information out that wasn't really information. So he was basically, he just wanted to be a witness. So he was saying, I've seen a candle in her window. So I'm still going to go with the fact that, well, the my suspicion... That him is the lover. Just because I feel like it, I was, it was a good... Mm. Then there was also another suggestion where someone said that he was... Because he was really good friends with uh, William Gardner, mm-hmm. um, that he was trying to not provide a false alibi, but he was trying to boost his friend. Okay. So he was saying, yes, I saw him on the evening and he wasn't doing anything wrong. And there was little bits in the account like it was all basically his statements were all here so he was, so he was saying like oh Rose was a lovely person okay. like William so was a lovely he... person it's like he was adding stuff but it wasn't really relevant to the case so he yeah. was kind of pushed off yeah. at the time it doesn't mean that he couldn't have committed the crime but I mm. think I don't necessarily think he was a murderer I think he was just looking like he wanted to be involved in the trial or like have his bit in it like I think he was trying to be helpful mm. but just wasn't. it wasn't what yeah. it, what he provided effectively wasn't that helpful especially if it's like hearsay it's like yeah yeah okay and then i think it kind of got lost and because he said a thing about oh we saw the candle in the window people were like oh that's evidence of something in the case you know what i mean i think it, they made it to be something bigger than it actually was yeah so basically what i'm trying to say is they i can't rule him out as a possible suspect but i also couldn't find enough information on him to conclusively prove who he was or wasn't okay okay I have another slightly shorter one, and then I think it's my big one. Okay. So, okay. yeah, do your short one, and then okay, I'll do my, short one. my my final okay. one. So, the next one I want to go to is a relatively recent one that I did, which is episode 75, and the which is the bath mystery. So, in that one, we talk about a girl who, if you remember, her skeletal remains were found in a sort of cave out on the moors. Mm-hmm. And, as we know, she was having an affair with a young man called Arthur, who had a very angry girlfriend called Polly, I believe. Yes. And at the end, we kind of... It, we didn't necessarily say we were going to do a revisited. We just kind of wanted to know what happened to Arthur because we wondered whether she'd, like, maybe killed him off after the trial. Uh, so I tried to find some information on it. Um, we obviously, both of us, kind of favoured Polly as a suspect. Mm. And we wondered if she killed him. Now, I don't... I think we came to the conclusion that based on that theory on the fact that she might have been embarrassed after the whole, like, then it got to trial. And then obviously it was very heated in the trial, wasn't it? They were saying it was a bit of a mockery in court. Um, So I said that I'd obviously try and find out how Arthur died. Now, I tried to find a death certificate for him. Now, his full name was Arthur Stevenson Coombs. However, I have been 
Unsuccessful in finding an official death certificate because there is a number with names of the same but they're all spelt slightly differently Mm -hmm. in and around the same time. (laughs) He's still alive. He's a vampire. Maybe. Mm. Um, So yeah, so basically in order to ascertain his death certificate, the other way you would go about it would be find his birth certificate. However, even when he was called in as a witness into the trial, they didn't record his date of birth. So if I could have found his date of birth, I could have found his death certificate. But I didn't have his date of birth, so I couldn't find his death certificate. So basically, I have absolutely nowhere to start, but mm. I will bear with it because I managed to, like I said, find another of death certificates. Ones, some happened in the next 10 years, some were quite a bit later. So, And obviously, he was still young at the time, early 20s, so mm. he probably could have lived for another 60 years. Yeah. So I was basically trawling through all of the 1900s to try and establish when this man might have died so i'm going to keep looking okay just some of them i need to unlock more things or pay for a subscription to find some stuff so i'm basically i'm going to keep hunting for it because it's really really bugging me now but i'm trying to basically establish his date of birth so that i can find an accurate death certificate and if i find it i will let everyone know well that's a good uh researcher of you Okay, but yeah, it was really tricky. Basically, all of mine, where I said I'd find out the information, yeah, they're going. I genuinely, it was really difficult things. Of course, it was (laughs) because I did it with a few of yours. Where I was like, "Oh, what's this?" And then you were like, "I don't know. I'll find out the information." And then afterwards, we kind of came to a conclusion about it. Mine, I was generally like, "Yeah, I couldn't find that piece of information." So I was looking at. I was like, "Yeah, this revisit it'll be easy. I'll find the answers." And then I got to it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's really tricky information to find. I can't actually find the answer." Which is probably why I didn't include it in the first place. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think if it was that easy, you would have included it. Yeah. Yeah, because I do deep yeah. dive into some of these. I yeah. go a bit mental with them. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm really curious now. I found lots of ones, but the slightly different names, like some of them, the Stevensons, it's like, you know, like it's got PH in mm. them and then some of them don't. And I'm like, which one's the proper one? Is it just been misrecorded or is it just someone completely different? Because yeah. you never know when someone dies when they're that young. They could have died young. They could have died any time over the next 80 years. Exactly. So, and yeah, to try and find a death certificate of that name. It's not an uncommon name. Arthur Coombs and Arthur Stevenson Coombs. And there were Stevenson Coombs and all separate ones. So it's quite... Also could have uh, moved country. Also possible. So, you know, that's going to... Or as you said, he could still be alive. He might be a vampire. He's a vampire. Okay. Well, anyway, I'll let you do your next one. Wasn't it a man in Ireland who wanted a... Uh, yeah, it was. Death. But as long as he doesn't yeah. live for more than 999 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Well then. There we go. He's got a little while left. He's got about another 800 years to go. Well then, he could... He's still got time. <laughs> well, if you're there, Arthur. <laughs> if you're listening to this... Oh, we found out you your secret. I want to, like, I don't want to just throw Polly under the bus, but I do feel like she might have. If she didn't kill him, she made his life a bit miserable. I feel like she beat him up a bit. Yeah. She sounds like a bit of a brute, little old Polly. She does. But she's got such a nice name. Uh, Polly. Pretty Polly. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just thinking of uh, Polly Pocket. Okay. So the one, my final one, is another case that I covered. And that was in episode 26 called LISC. Mm -hmm. So LISC stands for Long Island Serial Killer. Okay. So a brief summary of that case is on a beach on Long Island in New York, there have been bodies of mostly women found dumped out there. 11 have been found so far. We don't know if that's all the bodies that are out there or ones that have just been found. Most of the women are believed to have been sex workers. Mm -hmm. These bodies have been found between 1996 and uh, 2011. Yeah. 
So just a few weeks ago, a man was arrested after being connected to four of these murders. And those are the murders of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, Marine Barnard Barnes, Amber Lynn Costello. Mm -hmm. But he's only facing three charges in these at the time of recording, as he's only a suspect in the murder of Costello. So that man is Rex Howerman. There's different pronunciations. Thank you, of that. And I'm not sure how it is, so I'm just going to go Howerman. So I'm going to quote from an article from The Independent. Over the last year, between March 2022 and June 2023, the suspected Gilgo Beach uh, serial killer, Rex Howerman, repeatedly looked online for updates in the investigation, police say. Uh So he's looking into himself. He searched for details about the victims and their families. He googled the use of new phone technology in the case and looked for podcasts and document document documentaries. Is that what you're going with? <laughs> podcasts I'm and documentaries about the murders. Why do I get like this? It's hot. It's hot. We're deranged. I need to. Uh, you're a hot mess, Natasha. I'm a hot mess. <laughs> for more than a decade, the accused killer continued to go about his day-to-day life going to work at his architecture firm in um, Manhattan, coming home to his wife and two children in Long Island. Okay. So his route is... It's on the way. Mm -hmm. He seemed just as baffled by his lack of arrest as the local residents and victims' (laughs) families, who questioned... That's not funny, but... (laughs) (laughs) Who... uh, Families who questioned... Yeah, well, essentially, that's what he did. He even searched Google for answers to questions including why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer and why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? Mm. So if you remember some... Wasn't there a doctor that was really suspicious? Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah. And it's also like they thought that police or someone from the police was kind of involved as well. Yeah, I remember that bit. So two family members, uh, two families of the victims received calls from the suspected killer okay this is apparently rex howerman okay but yeah the doctor i he doesn't come up anymore so i okay, think so that was like, a bit of a wild goose chase yeah i think most of them are but there are 11 victims okay so multiple serial killers i think that's what we possibly, decided at the time didn't yes I? possibly or not, I think it's a dumping ground, so it is believed to be multiple. So it's taken 13 years, but Suffolk County police say that they've caught the serial killer who lured sex workers, brutally murdered them, and then dumped their bound and wrapped bodies along the shore of Gilgo Beach. What led them to suspect the killer was laid out in court documents as prosecutors asked judge to deny him bail. Mm-hmm. The first clue in this case is Howerman's car. Costello worked as a sex worker and a client came to her home, but the client was subjected to a ruse where a man posing as her outraged boyfriend showed up and made him leave. This was in a move to get him, uh, to get money out of him without... uh, Yes, without... Yes. This witness, who is most likely her pimp, saw this man's car. The client asked to see her again the next night, but not at her home due to what happened the night before. And this is the last time Costello was last seen alive. Right. So I'm going to go back to the independent again. The details of the victims came to light last year after a new task force was assembled in January 2022 to solve the serial killings once and for all. 
the task force reviewed the evidence gathered in the case and investigated uh, and investigators interviewed Costello's pimp in the spring of 2022. He told officials about the suspect who they originally did the ruse thing and his car was a green Chevrolet Avalanche telling them that he didn't know the man's name but you might want to look at him. Right, okay. So they did. In March 2022 a registration searched that the local man uh, Rex Howerman owned a first generation uh-huh. model of that truck at the time of Costello's disappearance. He also matched the witness's description of a man believed to be the killer. A large, white, ogre-like man <laughs> in his mid-40s, around 6 foot 4 to 6 6 tall, with dark, bushy hair and a big, oval-style uh, 1970-type eyeglasses. So okay. he looks like your stereotypical... Cool. Serial killer. Yes. Was it Sun or Sam that looked a bit... Yeah. Yeah. They I all think... look... There's aspects of them that are all the same, but there's some as well that are also really distinctive. Yeah. I'm thinking like Son of Sam in my head. He is a, he's big like that. Yeah. He's he's got a lot of hair. He's not lost his hair. He doesn't have any glasses in his um mugshot. Yeah. He's just he's got very like tiny features. But I think that's because he's a bigger man, he's just yeah, his like face, lost. Yeah. yeah. I think his face is just lost. Uh, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harris told New York Daily News this was a turning point in the investigation and the moment that the authorities zeroed in on Mr. uh, Howerman. The turning point was the car, he said. Once we got that car, it all connected, uh, who it connected to. That's uh, when the investigation got legs. The discovery of the car led investigators to, to... to hone in on Rex Howerman, including executing 300 subpoenas, search warrants, and other legal uh, processes to obtain evidence to determine his potential involvement in the killings. Mm. Howerman's alleged use of burner phones then led police to make an arrest. The burner phones used to contact the victims always pinged off the same cell towers as his actual cell phone. Okay. Very suspicious indicating that while using the burner phones he also was in the possession of his own phone phone. makes sense you're not gonna not have your real one records show that howerman's uh personal cell phone and burner phones were in the same locations at the same times and in the locations corresponded with the disappearances and the murders of the three of the women around massapequa long island and midtown manhattan Mm. So very suspicious if it is not the man. It's a massive coincidence. (laughs) Yes. Investigators could find no instance where Rex Howerman was in a separate location from these other cell phones when such a communication event occurred, Mm -hmm. uh, the court document state. So yeah, I I did write this. I don't remember if you could... I don't know if you remember, but the killer or suspected killer of Bernard Barnes and Bethelemy used their phones to call their victims to taunt them about their death or disappearances. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors alleged that Howerman made those calls from or in the vicinity of his Midtown office from where they pinged. Did he ever admit to it? This is going on right oh, now. okay. He also used their own phones. Okay. I didn't know if it was going to be a twist and like those ones were a hoax. No. 
In the years after the murders, he allegedly continued to use the burner phones to elicit sex from sex workers right up until his arrest. This is literally like okay, a few so weeks ago. It was ago. like his like sex workers' phone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, his dating app. He uh, used yeah. them for uh, yeah. Court documents show that Howerman had Tinder profiles and several email accounts under a series of fake names linked to his burner phones mm-hmm. to search for graphic images of children oh. and young girls and sadistic torture-related pornography. Prosecutors say he also looked up images of the murder victims and their relatives and researched podcast document- documentaries and news stories on the case. These include why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer and why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? Also, Haven't you just said that? I'm, yeah, I'm going back through. Okay, sorry. <laughs> But he, I was like, I'm he, having a day of him. He kept doing it. So he kept looking up Long Island serial killer. He also looked up Long Island serial killer phone call. So okay. he's constantly looking into going it. Back, so yeah. Going back, yeah. Going back. Seeing if anything's yeah. been added. He also looked for information about the new task force on the mm. case. Knowing he was keeping a close eye on the investigation, police kept the developments of the... Case. case close to like they wouldn't release anything yeah they just mentioned that there was a new task yeah force. so then if they got someone in if they mm-hmm. confessed something it would be something that only the killer would know mm-hmm. so surveillance footage captured him adding credit to one of his burner phones and this is one that he had when he was arrested oh, okay prosecutors say that two female hairs had been found on waterman one of them was on the tape which the killer wrapped around the head mm. and one female hair was found on the tape used to wrap burlap around Costello and one hair was found on a belt buckle used to bind Bonnet Barnes. So one of his hairs? Female hairs. On his property? On the bodies. So where would the female hairs come from? So the prosecutor... Um, so as they already suspected him, they went through his rubbish and found DNA on bottles that matched the female hair. And that DNA matched his wife. What? Oh, so another female's yeah. hair yeah. on this? I was very confused. Yeah, no, I didn't read it right. <laughs> okay. So, there so was... I was thinking after all that time, like, how is he still carrying their hair around with him on his property? Like, I could get it if it was in a room and he hadn't cleaned the room in years, but I did make sense. But yes, if it's his wife's hair, his wife's still alive, yeah. she's wandering around. Yeah, okay. So and... the body, their bodies had her hair, foreign DNA on it, which happened to be female hair. hair. They tested that hair. They tested his rubbish, knowing that he has a wife. Yeah. That hair is his wife's hair. Okay. She's not suspected in any of them. No, all it takes is yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. your hair sticks to someone else yeah. and then they pick up a ticket. I've been accused of this on many occasions. <laughs> it's easily done though. You, yeah, your I hair gets... I can't help stuck. it, I just shed my hair. You do have um, I do very have, long hair. have really long hair. It gets have very long hair. Yeah. In the online community of true crime, mm. people are like, well, well, how did her hair get there? They, Some of them do believe that she is... Like involved yes but she once he's been arrested and she's like filed for divorce she's adamant she had nothing to do with it yeah they have two kids together no, it's easily done like i'm always getting told yeah. off like i left and then like two days later someone will go i found one of your hair yeah. like on the back of my sofa or something i find your hair in my car all the time <laughs> like 
it's yeah, hair. Head. I just, you know, I like to leave a little bit of me behind so you hair. don't forget me, Natasha. But it's because it's so long, we can see it, but yeah. everyone leaves hair everywhere. Yeah, well, yeah, if he's been close yeah. to his wife, he's given his wife a hug or something when he's left her house, mm. her hair's then transferred to him, he's then murdered those women, and mm. the hair's come off in the process. Mm. Prosecutors said that there was also a male hair that oh. had been found on the burlap used to wrap Waterman's body before the killer dumped her in Gilgo Beach. Is that one of his children? When that hair was first retrieved in 2010, it was unsuitable for DNA analysis, but that hair was kept safely and was submitted in analysis in 2022. Mm -hmm. A DNA profile came back. Two. Two. I smell fire. Yes, so do I. (laughs) This January... Oh no, we're witches. They're coming for us. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So, obviously they were tested it in 2022, a DNA DNA profile came back. This January, a surveillance team watching him saw that he threw a pizza box oh. into a trash can outside an office in Manhattan. They grabbed it, obviously. Mm-hmm. There was some pizza crust inside. They tested okay. that pizza crust. Oh, it matches the DNA. So it's his DNA. It's his DNA. DNA. They, uh, so, always eat your pizza crust. Yeah. They... New York has this If you're going to murder someone, look for your wife's DNA on your Just first. sprinkle it all over. Yeah. Like, yeah. They haven't actually tested his DNA because there's a um, weird system in New York that you can't take someone's DNA without their consent. Right. Until they are either committed of that crime, so then you can then have the DNA. Yeah. But they've got his dna through like the pizza crust they can't like take a swab of it right okay so that because they could have like not made it yeah. up but they yeah. could have added it and gone yeah it's yeah mob. so right now that's all the information we have okay. on record at time of recording because it's literally happening right now okay so we will have to do another, another revisit revisited. well we'll have to do another revisited anyway because yeah. the whole lorry what was the episode we were doing on the lorry daybell thingy yeah. that's still unfolding <laughs> So, yeah, so there will be other revisited, like, obviously I'm about to do another bit of one, but, um, yeah, there's lots of cases we still need to do the revisited stuff for. I just tried to lump some together to tick some some of them off. I was just very conscious that we've done a lot of them and not answered. So that's what he looks like. Oh, okay, they're not what I was thinking. Oh, no? I thought, when you said, like, tick-tock hair, I was thinking, like, slightly curly. You know, like, the son of Sam? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a little curly. He looks a little bit more like in there, yeah. I think you just have an idea in your head, don't you, of what yeah. you think the thing is. Okay, well, this ties in nicely, actually, your last one, because I see that was where the bodies that kind of became a dumping ground and we fought lots of different serial killers, mm-hmm. which brings me on to the last one for this revisited episode, which was obviously the Texas Killing Fields. Yes. Which we did, as, was it a big tit, little tit that we did that for? Yeah. Episode yeah. 78? Yep. So... <laughs> This bit here specifically, I'm going to look at the girls in the 70s because obviously there was a suspect for the ones in the 80s, but we weren't too sure whether he would be ones and did the ones in the 70s. Yeah, it was kind of overbrushed, wasn't it? And we're yeah, like... it was not really mentioned. Not much detail went into that in that documentary. And also, I just automatically felt like the ones in the 70s weren't linked. I felt like it was someone completely different. So what I'm going to do here is go through all of the victims in the okay. 70s. And then I've got a little bit at the end, which okay. helps me sort of tie in what I wanted to say. Okay. Okay, so the first one to be found in the 70s was Colette Anise Wilson, and she was 13 years old. Oh, she disappeared... Yeah, a little girl. Most of them are very young, all about the same age. Yeah. 
Okay, so she disappeared from Alvin bus stop uh, in County Road 99, Highway 6. Mm. She'd been dropped off by her band director on the 17th of June in 1971. Her body uh, wasn't discovered until the 26th of November of that year, so a good few months later. She was found by Addicts Reservoir, which is close to where another victim, uh, Gloria Gonzalez, who I'll tell you about in a bit, would also be discovered around the same time. Uh, or a few months later, Collect's case of death was uh, was determined to be um, an injury to her head, which was believed to be a shotgun. Oh, shit, okay. Okay. But in some of these, and as you'll go on, when I looked into it, because where a lot of them are found, it's quite marshy ground, it, it deteriorates the condition of the yeah. body and some of the bones. So they think it might be a certain type of thing, but they can't necessarily conclusively prove it. So basically a blunt force trauma to the head they believe it to be a shotgun. Okay. So then the next um, girl to go missing was Brenda K. Jones, and she's 14. She was last seen walking to Galveston Hospital, close to to Interstate 45 Highway. She was going to visit her aunt, who was in hospital, on July the 1st, 1971. So not long after the other girl, we're talking, well, a few weeks. So her body was found the following day, floating in Galveston Bay near Pelican Island, she had had a sock crammed in her mouth and her cause of death was determined to be from a head wound. So similar. she had the same head wound, but the whole sock thing's a bit different. But then I suppose if you want to hypothesize the previous one, the sock could have just fell out of the mouth. Yeah. Okay, so some similarities. Then the next one is a pair of girls, and that is Rhonda Renee Johnson, who was 14, and Sharon Lynn Shaw, who's 13. These are briefly mentioned in the documentary. Okay. But not too much to put in them but basically they disappeared from harris county on the 4th of august 1971 so again just a few weeks after the other ones both had been seen walking along the sea in along seawall boulevard in galveston um by beach um in in january 1972 two boys came across uh, a human skull floating in the water mm. six weeks later obviously searches had been ongoing um and a search revealed the rest of the body um well I say the rest of the body, the most of the rest of the remains, um, along with the remains of another girl in a marsh nearby. Dental records showed that the school that was initially found belonged to Sharon. The other was eventually identified as Rhonda's, but no cause of death could be determined for either. Now, obviously, this is slightly different from the previous one mm. because it's two girls, not one. Yeah. And later on, this is where, for me, I think it's a number of killers. Yeah. Um. So then the next girl to go missing or at least be found was Gloria Ann Gonzalez, who I previously mentioned. She was 19 years old, so a bit older than the other girls, but could have looked young if you want to hypothesise the same killer. Um, She was last seen in October 1971 near an apartment in Houston. Her skeletal remains were discovered by Addicts Reservoir, which was the same as Colette's. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Colette, she'd been found in a similar area and was her... um, Sorry, her cause of death was due to a traumatic uh, traumatic injury sustained to her head. However, they couldn't confirm it was a shotgun. Okay. So... Just definitely head. Yeah. But... Same area, killed in the same way, but they couldn't confirm it was a shotgun wound due to the decomposition of the skeletal mm-hmm. remains. Yeah, it could be multiple killers because headshot, no matter... Well, guns are common. Yeah, guns are common. 
you want to kill someone, you go for the head. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. I think people same. are just trying to link them together yeah. because they're found in the same area. Yeah, but it's very easy just to be a dumping ground mm-hmm. because, like, like you said, marshy area. If you kind of know a little bit about the human body, you know that that's going to get gonna rid help of, yeah. decompose it. Yeah. Okay. So the next. Uh, young lady to go missing was Alison Ann uh, Craven who was 12 so the youngest one so far she was reported missing on the 9th of November 1971 by her mother from Houston she'd gone missing um, after going out to get some shopping three months later partial remains including two hands some arm bones and some teeth were found in a field by the interstate yeah um, in February 1972, so the following year, the rest of Alison's remains were located in a field in uh, Poland, which was 10 miles from her last witness sighting. There has been no cause of death. So either she sort of floated in marshy lands and it's also deteriorated, or I'm going to go with animals have scattered yeah. her remains. Yeah. So a couple of things here. So, But basically, because it was so badly decomposed, no, no way they could determine mm. the cause of death. So next to go missing is another pair of girls, and that's Debbie Ackerman and Maria Talbot Johnson, who were both 15. They were last seen hitchhiking to Houston by an ice cream shop um, on November the 15th, 1971. So most of these were all in a few months and weeks of each other. So witnesses reported seeing a man in a white van stepping um, to pick up the girls. Both their bodies were found bound and partially nude in Turner's, in Turner's bio in on the 17th of november 1971 the cause of death um was determined to have been due to the fact that they were tied and drowned however the pair also had shotgun wounds but they didn't believe the shotgun wounds to be the cause of death so i'm guessing that's because of the water yeah inside obviously that so, one sounds opportunistic yeah and yeah. different because we yeah. haven't had a drowning yet not no. saying <laughs> That it couldn't have been the same killer, but it's a bit different. So this is the one that was very briefly touched on in the documentary. They hypothesised that the girls were running. Mm. He shot them, like he got them to run away. Like it was like a game. Yeah. And then he, because partially knew, let's say, the sexual assault. Yes. And then tied and drowned. Yeah. So the next girl to go missing was Kimberly Ray Pitchford, who was 16. She was last uh, seen by a high school in Houston. She was actually in the area as she was due to go on a driving test. So I don't know if the driving test centre is at the school or it's next to it. And she was doing it after school. It was a bit cloudy, the information. Usually in America, they learn at school. Okay. So I th- probably at school. At school. Yeah. So, um, and that driving test should have been on January the 3rd, 1973. Um, a little while, sorry. That was at the beginning of the end of the year then on january the 3rd 1973 two teenage boys found her body um in a ditch in angle yeah in angleton when they found when they found her sorry though she was still clothed but her watch and shoes were missing the cause of death was determined to be strangulation so again very different from the others well not very different but different i think it's just they're all together because they're young girls who are dead Mm -hmm. in a field yeah it's just it, it, yeah. isn't it? It's, I don't, well, it is unfortunate, but you know what I mean. This is the thing. Women and girls, this is why... They're easy prey. Yeah. But yeah, so I've got another pair of girls. Okay. And this is Brooks Bracewell, who was 12, and Georgina Gear, who was 14. They were last seen at a convenience store off Interstate 45 on September the 6th, 1974. So we've gone from... 71 we had one in 73 and then up to 74 so there's a bit of a gap Mm. um 
Some of Brooks' remains were found in 1976, but were not positively identified until 1981. The other girls, nothing's been oh, found. Okay. So they were believed to have gone missing yeah. together, yeah. but one of the girls' remains were never found. Okay. So then the next girl was uh, Suzanne Bowers, but I believe she went by Susie. It was a bit confusing when I looked at the information, there was different names. So I think her actual name is Suzanne Bowers, but everyone called her Susie. It's just a nickname. Yeah. Yeah. So she was 12 and she was last seen making a three-minute trip, or what should have been a three-minute trip, from her grandma's house to um, to her home at 10.45am on May the 21st, 1977 in Galveston. Skeletal remains were found two years later in Alta Loma on the 25th of March. Her school appeared to have, uh, have gunshot wounds, but no official cause of death was actually determined. Hmm. So I think... If you add those all together, I think you're still looking at a number of serial killers. I don't think it's one. Not necessarily serial killers, just a number of killers. Well, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they could have all been individual. There is the ones with the girls where they're in pairs. You yeah, could, that's a They bit... try to put them together. And this next bit of information that I managed to find out is there was a man by the name of Edward Howard Bell. He confessed to a number of the 70s killings, which mainly with the girls in pairs but a couple of other girls and he also confessed to two other girls that have never been found oh. or no remains have been found um and he has previous arrests for exposing himself to children okay? okay however he's never been charged with any of these murders as there is nothing to forensically link him to any of them okay um and he has and he did remain the prime suspect until his death in 2019 but they were saying, is he just confessing to crimes? They basically, they had nothing to link him to any of them. Okay. Doesn't mean he couldn't have done them. Yeah. But I think there was holes in some of his confessions yeah. and, and there killers, was nothing forensically yeah. to link him. People tend to confess or just to, I don't, like big some themselves do like up. A n- nor- yeah, yeah, they do that, but there's also some that want like a bit of like notoriety yeah, for it. Like, so I just confess to it, yeah. And I think the only reason he looked good as a suspect was because he obviously has previous for exposing himself to children and their young girls. Yeah, so yeah. it's not, not far-fetched, yeah. but if you remember in the documentary, I think they said there was something like over 2,000 sex offenders in the area. So, you know. Yeah. And then it's also like, they've got to start somewhere. That's mm-hmm. usually probably yeah somewhere where they would start and then it gets a bit more. But yeah, uh, I don't think looking at it and putting it back with a documentary, I don't think the seventies ones were linked to any of the no. others. So that's probably why they didn't touch on them too yeah. much. Um yeah, there's lots more information you can kind of deep dive into those and there's been lots of suspects thrown out there. But I'll be honest, there's not really enough for them to go on, so I don't think they're really ever gonna solve it. No. Um unless something really magic appears. Well, yeah, look at the Summerton Man one. Mm. This is it, and thing is, with like some of the girls, I just think they're all too different. Yes, a lot of them have head wounds, but like I said, we've already established it's easy guns. way to kill. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be the quickest way to kill. Yeah. Um, but also, guns are a big thing in America, so very easy to do. But there's just so many differences in some. Like one of the girls, she was fully dressed, but then her shoes and her watch were missing. So then you're thinking trophy takings for mm-hmm. a killer, but nothing was taken from any of the other girls. Seems a bit different. Um, there's obviously then some girls were together. Do you want to th- say that that was one man that overwhelmed two girls together? Or do you want to throw out there that there's a pair of killers? Do you know, there's so many things 
to go through it and there's several different causes of death some are strangled some are drowned some are head injuries most likely multiple Mm -hmm. people yeah because you can have it maybe a serial killer it does kill the odd one differently because it's just how it's happened they've got to figure out what they like but that's it but then some of them to me so it's either a serial killer has evolved Mm -hmm. the way he's doing it or the other ones there's one where it seems like the girls were forced to run Mm. and it was like a game Game, so that to me seems a bit different from the other girls yeah yeah it seems like more of a game to the killer so again i don't know which probably points out that they probably have killed before and they kind of need a little bit more to uh enjoy it yeah get off on it i don't want to say that (laughs) well no but it's true i know it it is true but yeah so for me i'm i'm not convinced any of the 70s ones were linked with the 80s ones and i also think like in the previous case that you described, i think it's a number of killers Mm -hmm. it's just a dumping ground yeah unfortunately if like not many people go there yeah you can see why well you looked at it it was so remote in those it still looked relatively remote now so you imagine Imagine what it was like back then no one if you did it in the middle of the night no one's even in the middle of the night you could probably just do it in the daytime no one is around some of them would have happened in the day but i'm saying like if if you'd held them for a little while it's not gonna be difficult to throw them out if it's Mm. quiet yeah no one's gonna really notice you can dig a big hole if you want to put them in a hole or you could just dump them no one's really gonna notice you walking across the thing because america is very very big yes and there's places where probably not many people have been or ever been but to be fair if you're going down the if you're driving down the road in theory if you're driving properly you're concentrating on the road you're not looking yeah. oh that person just looks yeah. like they've just dumped something like some things can get you like peripheral your vision eye, yeah. yeah but the majority of people are going to be concentrating on the road so they're not yeah. paying attention but yeah, so it's I just... thought it was one worth... We said we were going to look at... I said in the episode I'd look at the ones in the 70s, so I just wanted to have a look at the cause of death. But it basically, it's reaffirmed what we said in the yeah. episode in the sense that we didn't think the 70s ones were linked. This one, like, obviously it has, but it's proper changed our mood. <laughs> so, whoo. I know, it's been a really weird episode to do, because... Yeah. Good like... that, like, Somerton Man is discovered to be uh, yeah. Charles Webb. And then we end Shit on... at the end. Yeah. We should have maybe start, ended with the like the nicer and started yeah. with the shit rather yeah, than... Yeah, probably. Because now we're ending on like such a shitty note. To be fair, murder's a bit shit, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so no, I just felt it was an important episode to do because yes. I, I was very conscious that when I was going back, I was like, we keep saying we're going to do a revisited and we don't keep doing them. So I tried to tick, tick them off. As we are in the revisited ones. I know we have mentioned Girls on Tour. Mm-hmm. We are thinking of doing things involving that. Yeah. It's just obviously time and stuff. And we, money, yeah. We are you looking kind of need at, funds to go and do things. We, I am figuring out how to put the this audio onto YouTube. So we'll mm-hmm. be on YouTube soon. As well. Yes. Yeah, we're basically... We said we were going to do lots of things last summer. We still have plans to do all of those things. We just haven't done them quite as quickly as we said we were going to do them. Basically. We are depressed people. So yeah. things take yeah, a little basically, bit longer. Last summer we were like, we're going to do this, 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 this and this. Some of them we've half done. And we're some of the things we just the haven't way. done. Yeah, we're on the way. We're we are doing way. girls on tour because we wanted to do that. Thing. At first we were like, yeah, it's going to be really easy and we can do loads of little TikToks and we can share all of that with you. The reality is, we do sometimes go to places, mm. we forget to make the TikToks, and then we were yes. like, oh yeah, that would have been yeah, good. Yeah, because I did have an idea of us recording like a little silly historical TikTok, and we didn't even do it. Ooh, yeah, no. Fly. I know, I shared some photos from you, so I know yeah. when I got home, I was like, 
I don't know how to make this into a post. So, um, because we are quite shy as people and we don't think about content. Yeah. Until yeah, we don't go around fact. with a camera. Yeah. So, because you know, like people when they yeah. go out and do vlogging, like, I think we need to do a thing where we're going to be like, right, we're going to have a recording day, we're going to go out and take the things. But you just kind of get distracted. We're like walking along, like, oh, that's interesting. Look at that castle. Yeah, that's pretty. Oh, have you seen the dead thing? And then we so get I think home. we have to be mature and maybe like write down everything we want to do that yeah, day. Yeah, I think we've got to treat it like we're not going there for a day out, we're actually going there to record. Yeah. I think that's what we've got to do. Like, we've got to make it a work thing. Like, it's fun, yeah. but we've got to make it like a podcasty work thing. Yeah. Because I think we get a bit sidetracked. So, like, things that we have mentioned, we are we going are to doing, we are going to do. It was just so bad when I went past all over last summer's episodes and we're like, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that. And I'm like, uh, Natasha. The intention is there. Yes. The and fulfillment we will get to it. <laughs> is on its way. Hey? The, fufmil- fufil- the fulfillment the is fulfillment on the way, The fulfillment yeah. make me say it again. I said it the first time. Right. But yeah. We're just depressed, okay. I'm very busy and yeah. have no money. Yeah. So, yeah. It took us a bit longer to get there. Well, head on over to thegraveyardgirls.co.uk to uh, get some t-shirts and then we could... <laughs> yeah, we could have another day out. Subscribe to Patreon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, help us out, please. Yeah, on that note. <laughs> Pretty please. <laughs> you don't ask, you don't get. So. Well, well, yes, as I always say. And everyone who comes back every week, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. And people who are new, thank you. Yeah, welcome to this madness. It's a bad day today. But yeah, today's yeah. a bad day. I promise not all the episodes are like this yeah okay is that it i think so okay uh in the meantime keep creeping and we'll keep digging